Join me in our call to worship from Psalm 99. Hear God's call to us this morning. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the, they kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Before we sing our response to this, please take a moment of quiet and revel in the holiness of our God. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is the Lord our God. He is holy. We are going to sing this song of response, and it's an echo and repeat. We've sung it num a number of times. But in the first chorus, we are going to sing the names of our God back to Him. And if you're, you're a guy, you have probably not sung these words before. We typically sing the others. And if they're not familiar to you, listen to the names of our God. Please stand as we sing, You Are Holy. Of days. You are Alpha, Omega, beginning and 
that he had with the living Savior. Our reading this morning is about a time that Peter got a small glimpse of the show-stopping nature of Jesus' glory and holiness. Peter had already experienced Jesus' remarkable teaching and witnessed miraculous healings and feedings. But this account points to something even more. There was an otherworldly nature to Jesus, something deeply transcendent, unpredictable, and even scary. Hear this account from Luke, chapter 9, starting with verse 28. Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring fulfillment to at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. 
When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. confession. 
you are going to have an opportunity to participate. These are not just words, but they are our time to come and listen to our Lord. So when I say, in your mercy, please pray in response, forgive us, Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, God's glory and love shone through you on that day on the mountain. And you persisted in revealing that glory and love through your words and deeds and through your life of humble service. Lord, again, we hear those words of your Father. You are my Son, the Beloved. And then his words to us, listen to him. Oh, Lord, we confess our failure to listen to you because of the worldly idols that enthrall us. When this happens, our attitudes conceal rather than reveal your glory and your love. Lord, when we conceal your love because our pursuit of other priorities prevents us from seeing and serving people in need, Lord, in your mercy, forgive and help us. When we conceal your glory because all we reflect is our own self-centeredness, Lord, in your mercy. Forgive us, Lord. When we conceal your truth through our lack of credible witness, Lord, in your mercy. Forgive, Forgive us, Lord. When we conceal your justice through our failure to empower those who are powerless, Lord, in your mercy. Forgive, Forgive us. us, Lord. When we conceal your mercy because of our hard and unforgiving attitudes, Lord, in your mercy. Forgive us, Lord. Lord Jesus, cleanse our lives of all shameful attitudes of mind and heart so that we may reveal your glory in and through all we do and say and are. Oh Lord, this we pray in your name and in the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Amen. Amen. Saints of God, hear these words of assurance. You are born again into a new life. Hear these words of assurance from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. Amen. Saints, we're going to um, begin by singing a song that we just, we love. Um, and it's, it's when I think about the Lord. And uh, you're welcome to sit down until you can't sit anymore. <laughs> so you make that judgment. But when I think about the Lord, how he saved me.
join us and stand. I don't know how you remain seated. saving us and raising us and filling us. And Lord, for your healing for us. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Join me now with prayers of the people. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and all your splendor in this wintertime and a time of snow. Lord, we thank you for... <clears throat> the badly needed precipitation that, Lord, at this time, Lord, we just pray today and thank you for those promises and your faithfulness to us, Lord, that truly give us a new birth into a life of living hope, Lord. Help us just carry that with us, Lord. Today we pray for our country and its leaders. May we be agents of God's mercy, peace, and love in the midst of so much conflict, Lord, that seems so unsettled, Lord. We pray at this time and continue to lift up Kathy, Paul, Michael, Gil, and Marion in the loss of Sal, Lord. We, we know continued prayers are just very important at this time, given their grief, Lord. We pray for Ron and Lexi Lambert as they grieve for the loss of Jackie. We pray for Bruce and Beth Van Wyck as they grieve for the loss of their daughter-in-law. Lord, we pray for their son and his family at this time, too. Lord, we thank you and we praise, praise you for Brenda Hansen, who is doing better after struggling with some of the lingering effects of COVID. 
We also praise and thank you for the, the soon and the, the administration of the COVID vaccine, Lord, that people are getting that vac vaccine and that there is light on the horizon with everything, Lord. We praise you for that. Lord, we ask you to be with the students and the teachers as they return back to school, that there is safety there. Lord, today we ask you to continue to be with Terry and Kay Craft with the loss of Kay's brother-in-law, Rick, this, this last couple weeks, Lord. We pray for Louise Polly, who has been in the hospital with intestinal issues and testing, Lord. We just pray her restored health as well. Lord, we pray for the elders, the leadership of our church right now as, as we continue to lead the church through this time of, of transition, Lord. Uh, just be with us as a church body and give us understanding and, and true, true guidance during this period of time. Lord, we also pray you praise and thank you for sustaining us in the midst of troubles, Lord. Grant us the grace and peace and abundance and help us just to be truly mindful of that living hope that is truly within us this coming week, Lord. In your name, amen. We thought we had it where I could flip that mask right off. Didn't work. It didn't work. Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody. I can tell people were praying for me this week, um, and I muchly appreciate that. I get Tony's asking why I'm nervous. I always get nervous um, when I get ready to preach, uh, and and I'm there again. So, um, so thank you for your prayer. Um, I just want to thank everybody that's part of the Preaching Lab as well. Uh, preaching Lab is up and running great. Uh, uh, we, we had our meeting, and I got a lot of help from them. And, and even Mark and Sarah, as they're on vacation, uh, sent me some stuff that, that I'm using this morning, and I just really appreciate that. Um, and it was really nice having my daughter home. If you've never had a theology student in her senior year at home with you and you're working on something, it's awesome. It is just awesome, just the wisdom that she has and just the passion that she has, uh, uh, you know, for the truth and the word. Uh, we had some great conversations while she was here. Got to care of her and got her back to Chicago with good roads, uh, and that is a blessing. So, now, one of my goals today is to stay between the white lines. Um, I, I, I pace, and I've always paced. Uh, all the years of my teaching, all the years of my coaching, I've always paced, and and, and so one of the things I'm really trying to do is, is not to make Ross motion sick today, okay? He probably didn't take his, 
his Dramamine, you know, I was, I'm glad he's here, he's over his COVID stuff, but I thought about him uh, as I was preparing and trying to say, okay, don't make Rox sick today, okay? Um, all right, uh, our reading today is going to be from 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verse 13 through 21. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that, I, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. These are the words of the Lord. So the three things that I, I really want to try to do a good job with this morning is hope in God, reverent fear, and holy living. These three things need to be meshed together as we live our lives here for God. And that is my goal this morning, is that I'm able to, to, to combine those things together so we can see that in our walk that we have as we live for God. So as we start with verse 13 and, and at the end of verse 21, those two verses speak of hope. Last week, Dave's sermon was entitled, Our Living Hope. The things that I got in my uh, daily devotional time through my Bible app talked about hope. You know, I was kind of worried since Dave talked about the living hope last week, and I'm talking about hope this week that it might be overkill, but, but I really think it is something that we need to have so much of, especially in these times, is hope. And on Wednesday, our 46th president, President Biden, mentioned hope in his speech. We need hope. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our hope is in God. Our hope is not in man. It's not anything that's man-made. It's not in a new calendar year. Our hope is not in President Biden. It's not in a new Congress. It's not in a political party that you might belong to. It is not in science, and it's not even in that vaccine. That is not our hope. Our hope is in God. We have hope because Christ's resurrection. He rose from the dead for us, and that is our hope. As God's children, we have the inheritance and our hope is that gift from God because Jesus died for us. Our God loved us so much that he gave his only son for us. He paid the price of our sin on that cross when he arose again. Well, let's back up a little bit. What is hope? So as I look up a definition of hope, it's for wishing for something. It's a feeling or an expectation for a desired outcome of a certain thing. You know, I hope that the Broncos will be much better next year. <sighs> Man, that was a rough year, a rough year. 
You know, but again, we hope for that our nation is not as divided as it was. We hope that this vaccine will stop all the different mutations of, of the virus that it has. And we hope for that. And we can pray that that is God's plan and that God will be with those scientists as they create them. But, but just hoping it and just wanting it is not enough. The nice thing about hope is that, that, that we look at the, the Christian definition of hope and it is a hope for a certainty. We know the outcome in the end. And the biblical definition of hope says it's a confident expectation of what God has promised and it is God's strength is in his faithfulness. God is faithful to us. God is faithful to us and our hope is in God. Mark sent me some stuff by John Piper and, and he did a lot of stuff out of Psalms 42 verse 5 and, and he said, we must preach hope in God because we are downcast. And we need hope to fight off the discouragement. God has given us hope in him. Because of all the different things that are going on in our world. And, and you know, in 2020, it just kind of came out. But, it, but it's like that in, in other years that aren't 2020. We get discouraged. We suffer. We have sorrow. You know, we prayed for all the people that, are, that still have sorrow here today uh, because of loss. This happens all the time. We get, we get in despair. You know, they say 2020 is a, was a tough time for people with depression. And we can understand why, but, but we have hope in God. We must preach the word of hope in God. Psalms, Psalms 42, 5 says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. It was kind of nice that we had, we, we, you know, some of our readings, some of our songs, praising God. God made us to praise him. He is our hope. Why well, we really need this, this hope in today's times, because we get so discouraged. There are so many things in this world that, that draw us to them, and we need to look to God and have our strength in God and not any worldly thing. We need the emotional strength that is in our hope in God. Without hope, we have no power to absorb all the wrong and all the evil in this world. We need this hope so that we can walk in love as God has commanded us to. So let's, this leads right into the holy living concept that, again, I think these three things all come together. So we have hope in God and now the holy living. When we accept Christ, we are called to holy living. So verse 13 and verse 14 kind of, kind of come together here, and it says, when you are fully alert and, and, excuse me, when you are alert and fully sober. The New Living Translation is the Bible that I use. It says, if when we're thinking clearly and exercise self-control, we need to be obedient children, not conforming to the world and the evil that is in our world. So we accept Christ, and we believe that Christ died for our sins. We are called to this living hope this holy living for God. We are called to live holy for God. This holy living is an action. It's not words. It is an action. How do we act? Do we represent the kingdom of God the way that God wants us to? We are God's children. We, are, you know, we heard this in the last couple of weeks. We are God's chosen people because we accept Jesus and, and we have repented of our sins. 
Now, we can't be holy on our own. We cannot be holy on our own. So we need to understand that, okay? And it does not mean that we will not fail. It it doesn't mean that we will not sin. We are human. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we are trying to live the right way. Now, God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. This is a wonderful gift that we have as Christians. And sometimes I think we take it for granted. But God gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to help us when we have trouble, to help us when we need hope, to look to God for hope. And in Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus is, is, has been raised from the dead, and he's walking down the path with the disciples. He meets the disciples, and he's talking to the disciples, and they don't recognize him yet. And then they finally recognize him, and and Luke 24, 49 says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father had promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. We have that same Holy Spirit in us. And he gives us power from heaven to overcome sin. This is how we can live holy, because we have the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us. And what an amazing gift that is. And then I look at Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. And we learned this last two weeks ago. Mark talked about it. The Gentiles. We, we, it's no longer just the Jewish people or, or, or the people of God. It's the people that believe in Jesus. Okay? So now you Gentiles, you have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we could praise and glorify God. Again, holy living is not about being perfect. And when I first looked at this, that was one of the things that I'm like, you know, I really want to make sure, this, make sure that, you know, we're not trying to be God, Okay. We are just trying to live for God, okay? We will not be perfect. And it's not about doing good works. There are people that are not Christians that do good things all the time. Think about all the people that donated all the money to research for these vaccines. And some of those people, I'm sure, are not Christ followers. They are not Christians. But they can still do good works, and good works are a good thing. But it is not what we are called to do. We are called to live for God because Jesus died for us. As Christians... You know, the holy living, we are praising and glorifying God. And and somebody mentioned that beforehand. I don't know if they knew I was going to talk about that today or not. But praising God, glorifying God, he created us for that. Whenever we repent, these are some things that God wants us to do. We need to repent. And, And again, I remember Adrian talking about this years ago. He was looking this way. He said, there's sin. We're looking at sin. And we just have to repent. And look to God. Turn 180 degrees and look to God. Believe that Jesus died for our sins. Tells us one of the commandments is to love our neighbors. Tells us to go and preach. To share the wisdom of God's word. Go and make disciples. And there's other ones, but one of the key ones is love. We have to love others the way that God wants us to love others. And in verse 17, and again, we... Uh, Mark and, and uh, Dave both mentioned this and this thing. We are foreigners in this land. And verse 17 talks about that. When we live 
in this land as foreigners, we live in reverent fear. Our life here is short, but our eternity in heaven, I mean, excuse me, our life in heaven will be for eternity. We are just here for a short time. We are living as foreigners in this land. Brian, remember years, a couple years ago, Brian Rushi preached up here, and it's something that just, so, just stuck with me for some reason. Uh, you know, maybe it was something I needed to hear at that point in time, but, it's, but his whole thing was about who are we? Who am I? And the very last part of that was, I am a child of God. I am God's child. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are God's chosen people. We are his, his children and we have his inheritance. Now we look at reverent fear. And again, Lauren and I had a great talk about this, but, but, but fear and, and hope seem just totally opposite to me. Fear and hope, opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and I have some fears. You know, the definition of fear is an unpleasant emotion. I hate heights. Probably not the height that bothers me so much as the fear of falling and hitting the ground. Um, that sounds very painful, and, I, and so I have a very hard time uh, with heights. My family laughs at that when we go on vacations. They all go up into the light tower, and, and I'm at the bottom still. I'm not going up. There's no way. Okay. Tell me what it looks like up there. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, we all have, probably have some fear of something. And if you are not a Christian... You can imagine that, that if you have enough knowledge of God, where you could be fearful of God. God, in the Old Testament, sent the flood, killed everybody. There were the people that were on the ark and the animals that were on the ark. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? Um, and then Lot's wife, he was told not to turn and look at the city, and she didn't. She turned to a pillar of salt. God is all-knowing, okay, and all-powerful. And if you're not a Christian, that might really really give you fear. But the Christian definition is a fear of God is a reverence of God. A reverence of God. In Proverbs 15.33, it describes fear like this. A discipline and a beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is departing from evil. Part of our scripture text today was talking about don't be part of the world. You know, we're just foreigners and, and stay away from the evil that's in the world. And if we have the reverent fear of God, it helps us have wisdom to stay away from the evil of the world. You know, I think of this as a kid growing up and then, I, then again later as a parent trying to raise our kids. But I was lucky enough that my parents were, were godly people and they tried to raise me and they had all these rules as a kid growing up. And I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I had this reverence for them. And it wasn't that, you know, I, that I got punished. Yes, I, I did. I, I got punished. But, but I was more afraid of disappointing them. And I see that connection with, with, with as you raise your children, you, know, you give them those rules so that they have wisdom, that they have good judgment, you know, and, and just so they're safe because of the rules that you have. You try to keep them from the evils of the world. And that is what our Father does for us. If we have that reverent fear and we follow his rules, it protects us, it saves us, and, and we don't want to disappoint our Father. So as we live in reverent fear of our Father, it is a respect 
It is an awe, and we do it with submission. We gladly do the things that our Father asks us to do. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. We all want good judgment. We all want this wisdom that comes from doing the things that God wants us to do. So that reverent fear, okay, leads us to holy living. Because we want to do what our Father asks us to do. Uh, Dallas Willard, um, I got this next part from Dallas Willard. He said, hope and reverent fear are attitudes and beliefs. Holy living is an action driven by those beliefs. Hope, reverent fear, holy living, they all go together. We have to have hope in God. We need to live the right way for God and try to do the best we can to live the way that God has set for us to live. And we do that in a reverent fear. And with the knowledge of these things, it allows us to be committed. Anytime you want success, you know, as a football coach for a long time, anytime that I want, if, that I'm going to have success, and you can tell it's because your team is committed. They bought into what you're trying to do they're doing it, they're doing it the right way, and they do it out of respect for, for themselves, for their teammates, and for their coaches. And it is easy, over the 30-some years that I coached, it was easy for me to tell if we were going to be successful or not by the attitude that we had and were we committed to what we were trying to do. And the same thing for us as Christians. Are we committed to what we are trying to do? Okay. We have hope in God. We have that reverent fear of God, and so we try to live holy and do the right things. I believe this is from, from Willard as well. The three aspects of fearing God. God sees deep into our hearts. You know, verse 17 says that, he will, that God will judge us individually. There's not going to be any favorites. We're going to be judged individually by what's in our heart. We can't try to outwork somebody okay, to think that that's going to get us there. No, God knows what's in our heart. He knows our true intention. God knows us so well. The second thing, we must know God's commands and seek the truth. We have to have a purpose. When we read God's word, have a purpose for reading God's word. Seek the truth that God has for us. Know what God wants us to do, what, his, what he commands us to do. And we need to hear the truth anytime we can through God's word. Number three, it says, pay attention to God. Pray, seek his will, follow God's will. And that's that holy living, follow God's will. So as we are called to live in reverent fear, excuse me, reverent fear, we follow God's commandments out of that respect that we talked about earlier, out of that submission to our father who loves us so much. And our Father shows us grace and love all the time. You know, when Peter wrote this, it was a very common practice to buy slaves freedom. So if you, there was somebody you knew that was a slave, maybe a family member, somebody that you loved, you could buy their freedom. So he mentions buying the ransom for somebody. Okay? And then if you ransom somebody by buying their freedom, you were their redeemer. Well, God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to be our redeemer. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus came to serve as a ransom 
for many. No, this happened a long time ago, but he came for your sin and my sin. He took the weight of our sin guys, on the cross because he knew us that long ago. Our sin was bought by the blood of Jesus. We can't buy God's love. We can't. We cannot work other people for this love. Jesus paid the price for our sin. He is the only way to the inheritance that we are promised. He is the lamb without blemish. And now this ransom also was not an afterthought. Verse 20, and again, I hadn't thought about this a whole lot until till I was studying it this time around, but, but this ransom is not an afterthought. God knew this ransom would take place before creation. It says in verse 20, he's this, he knew before creation that this would take place. It was the plan. God had a plan all along that Jesus would come, be our example on earth, die for our sins, be raised from the grave for our salvation, and then take his rightful place back in heaven. So as we look in, in Luke 22, because we're trying to look at some of the stuff that, that, uh, uh, that, Peter, that Peter lived while he was here and everything as we're, as we're going through reading 1 Peter. But in Luke 22, Jesus knew this plan because he was praying. And we, we heard that earlier. And I think it's Ian that was reading something about that as well. But this is a little bit later. This is in Luke 22. Jesus is praying to his father, take this cup of suffering from me if it would be your will. Christ knew that he was going to suffer. He knew that was a plan before it ever happened. He knew that's why he came here. But he also said, but let your will be done. Let your will be done, Lord. And then Jesus also prayed for Peter in Luke 22. Because Peter, this is a disciple that, that was with Jesus from the start. Whenever he got his 12 disciples, Peter was there. He's called the rock. But Peter, Peter would lose hope. Sometimes we lose hope. Well, Peter lost hope. Everything that Peter saw Jesus do, he still denied him three times. And Jesus prayed for him that he would not give in to temptation. Now, luckily for us, Peter did regain his hope. You know, he's, after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus appeared to him on the road, and, and Peter knew at that time what had happened. He has hope in God. We have hope in God. Sometimes we will lose faith, but we can, we can still come back and have our hope in God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is through Jesus that we have this hope. He is our inheritance. And the key to holy living, and I, I mentioned it earlier, is love. We have to love other people and follow the commandment. In Luke 10, verse 27, it says, To be holy is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, our soul, our strength, and our mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to imitate God's love. The, the love that saves us, the love that God has compassion poured out to us, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us to love other people. Because Jesus shed his blood, was raised from the grave, and went to prepare a place for us in heaven again, we have our hope in God. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we just come to you, Lord, and we just pray, Lord, that you would give us hope, Lord, in the times that we are down, the times that we let things get to us, the time that, the time that we're on earth, that, that the earthly things just bring us down so much, Lord. Help us remember that you are our hope. You are our hope, Lord. 
Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to live the way you want us to live. We thank you for that gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that will help us, Lord, guide us in these times that we try to live the way you want us to live, Lord. Lord, again, we just thank you for blessing us, Lord. We just thank you for sending Jesus to die for us, Lord. We, just, we are not worthy, but yet you did it for us anyway. In this Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brothers and sisters, we're, um, we're going to sing a, a, a loved hymn. Before we do, I'm going to paraphrase that last verse that Vern just shared with us. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, chosen before the end of the world, but he was revealed in these last times. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. Your faith and your hope are in God. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Please stand.
I can, I can do that. Uh, we're going to do a little blessing here. <laughs> I can read it. Hey, we got, we got it. I got it. <laughs> Andrew's got the blessing. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, as we leave this time of meeting with God and with each other, please hear and receive the blessing God gave to Moses. Benedictions are used as a way to remind us that we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. We are part of God's redemptive story, and we're agents of his renewal. So people of God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, and he will. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace that only comes from him. This peace this day and for the coming week, this by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the love and grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
go in peace.